Warning, the following episode contains major spoilers for a film released within the last weekend. Listener discretion is advised for those wishing to remain ignorant of the film's various plots, ending, and its characters. Hi everyone, welcome back to Behind the Timeline, the podcast where we examine pop culture and films, television, and books across the ages. As always, we are your hosts, Lindsay and Scott. If you're interested in finding out what we've already covered or what we've got coming up in the future weeks, be sure to leave us a follow on Instagram at Go Behind the Timeline. Check us out on Twitter at Behind Timeline and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Additionally, links to our Patreon and our official website can be found in the episode descriptions if you would like to support the podcast. And now, on with the show. After the movie, I'm leaving and there's somebody in front of me and they have on like a bumper sticker on their car that says always with the A is the oh Deathly Hallows symbol. The fucking Deathly Hallows because we have yeah. no imagination in this fandom. Basically. And it's in the font or whatever. And they were booking it out of there. Like I could tell they were pissed. Like I almost flagged yeah. them down. I was like, are you so mad? <laughs> I can tell you're so mad. <laughs> Dude, you absolutely should have. That's fucking hilarious. I almost waved to them. I was like, I see the anger in the way that you exited that red light. Like I see the light. <laughs> Dude, unbelievable. Holy shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> welcome, welcome back to Behind the Timeline. Yeah, welcome back to Behind the Timeline. Our first ever stint into the we- the wonderful wizarding world of Harry Potter. Yeah, and I think um, for those who have <laughs> are maybe not longtime listeners or haven't picked this up because we mention it regularly. However. All the time. Scott and I are both huge Potterheads and... Neither of us is a is a fan of any of the films, basically, right? Yeah. Like, so we come at this from a very um, weird place, and I think something that's really strange about the Fantastic Beast series is that it's supposed to be canon, and it's not it based is. on any written material, and so it's hard not to feel like this is supposed to be a prequel to the books. So it's just. I mean, I don't think that either of us gets this riled up about adaptation fails in any other IP. No, I I actually don't think there there's there's much that I would get this mad about. And no. like to be fair, I'm not mad. I am. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I there are things about this movie that made me mad. Um, I am disappointed, and um, so much worse. I know. I I, I know. So much worse than mad. But before we get into this, yeah, obviously, guys, like this movie came out two fucking days ago. So if you didn't hear it at the beginning of the episode, like crazy head spoilers ahead. But also happy Easter for those of you who celebrate. It is Easter Sunday. Um, After this, I get to go have an Easter egg hunt with my nephews. And I'm very excited about that. And my niece. Sorry. Uh, Yeah, we're here today to talk about the third installment in the Fantastic Beasts, which was originally, if you guys aren't aware, this was meant to be a two-part trilogy. Um, And this was supposed to be the end of the Fantastic Beasts side of the trilogy. Thank God. Um, 
Really? But, I thought it was yeah. supposed to be five Fantastic Beasts movies. So originally it was supposed to be five Fantastic Beasts films. And then the Beasts the beasts part of it became less and less prevalent. And it's part of something I'm going to get into when we jump in here in a minute, but um, it, it became less about the fantastic beasts and more about the fight between Dumbledore and Grindelwald Mm -hmm. and this, this war that had been brewing during world war two. And so we, we find ourselves in the third film, uh, the Secrets of Dumbledore, which it's not even called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, The Secrets of Dumbledore anymore. It literally is just called Fantastic Beasts, Secrets of Dumbledore. Yeah. Um, so there's already like bonkers, weird changes to this. Yeah, um, the whole setup failed to make sense from like yeah. the word go. So that's Right happening. from the jump. Yeah. Right yeah. from the fucking jump. Um, Lindsay, hit me with a plot for this movie, please. Yeah, so in an effort to stifle the growing power of his former lover and comrade-in-arms, Albus Dumbledore enlists SEAL Team's commander to carry out an eccentric plan to save not just the wizarding world, but all mankind. Indeed he does. And does the plan make any sense, Scott? No, absolutely none of the things that they are sent off to do make any... They have no impact. And you know what I like is the way that... And I'm going to let us stay on track. I'm going to be so bad in this episode. But what I I really like is the way that they say that their plan is like... They're like, but Grindelwald can see the future for reasons. And we'll discuss that. But they're like, since he can see the future, let's make sure we have like 7,000 plans. We'll convey none of them to the audience. Um, we won't tell you which plan is supposed to do what. And they're just like, this is our like plot reason for none of this making any fucking sense at all. Yeah. Everybody like break, go, go team. All right, go team. All right. Bye. No one can know everything. Newt. That sentence gets says a lot. It's said a lot in this movie. Um, Tell me how much this movie made, Scott. (laughs) So. In the U.S., this movie is actually only made 43 million, which is the lowest intake for a Harry Potter film uh, of all of them. Of any description. Of all of them, yeah. Um, Worldwide, it's made 193.4 million, and it's most popular in China, Germany, and Japan right now. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, this is very easily going to become the last Jedi of Harry Potter movies. For sure. Yeah, it is at a 47% on the tomato meter with an 85% approval rating from audience members. The last thing I'm going to mention, because we are a pop culture podcast and we are here to you know relay the news as they come out to you. Uh, one of two things. I should have put a post out about this earlier in the week, and I am very sorry. Um, but I want to take a moment to acknowledge that we lost Gilbert Gottfried this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very sorry that I didn't put anything out. I meant to. Um, work has been insane for me this week, so it, it's that's on me. Um, but also, <laughs> this movie and all subsequent future films have been put on hold by Warner Brothers because of two things. Number one, and not really primarily, but it's a huge part is Ezra Miller is having some kind of meth induced breakdown. Dude, there's so much meth involved in whatever's happening with Ezra Miller right now. I <laughs> see, dude, I don't know what <laughs> is happening with him. Science bitch. Yeah, for real. Um, yeah, no, it's rough times with Ezra Miller right now. Um, I, I will talk about what I think is going to happen with Credence yeah. in order to get rid of Ezra Miller. Cause I think we might not see Credence again after this. 
Yeah, I actually can't wait to blow up whatever you're about to say with actual facts. Um, <laughs> but second, Warner Brothers has already said that this, the any sequel to this movie, one hundred percent depends on how well this this current movie does. Yeah, it was absolutely written um, where this could have been the end. Yeah, this could, like, and it it didn't leave any open threads that we don't already know, like we know from the original series that they fight and Dumbledore wins end of story. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and so they could end it here and it's going to depend on the money. And right now the money's not great. And did I interrupt you? Did we actually read this? The the scores? (laughs) Did we actually say that or did I just go? Oh, on a no, tangent? we did. Right, <laughs> no, I'm like, good. do we actually report on the Rotten Tomato scores? Because I yeah, might have just did. preempted it by screaming. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, so all of that, that nonsense out of the way, um, we're going to we're going to dive into the absolute bare bones of this movie. Uh, and we have to start with I honest to God, you guys, this is easily some of the shittiest writing I have ever ever seen in a movie just ever yeah do you have any idea how easy it would have been to explain why grindelwald looks like mads mickelson now well i mean he's been a different actor in every every movie movie. he's the defensive against the dark arts teacher it's a different one every movie (laughs) that's (laughs) funny well and what's weird is they okay let me say something about his casting that is first of all kind of unfair and and second of all just true is that like the way that they made him look when he was Johnny Depp because to be clear to recap for those who you know their brain just turns off when this, these movies well, go yeah. on <laughs> um, that in the first movie it was Colin Farrell right it and was Colin Farrell as a uh, Grindelwald in disguise Grindelwald like, in disguise yeah at first that it like that's not really what he looks like and he's in disguise and it was like surprise it's Grindelwald so that all made sense. And then in the second movie, he comes in as Johnny Depp. And this is the part that's like not really fair. He just looked so busted. And that's not a comment on Johnny Depp's appearance. It's just how they obviously he looks no, nothing like Johnny Depp. No, it's how they designed him. Yeah. And he just, it's like, I don't buy that he had a romantic relationship with fucking anybody the way that he's looking in oh, that movie. Know. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I just, he's so like asexual and... Mm-hmm. I'd, I don't really think that that's fair to comment on appearance in that way, but I'm doing it anyway, that just with his two weird eyes and his scarred up face, and it's just like, I don't buy that this is you at this age. This looks like Grindelwald, like, after the war, like, after yeah. some shit. I don't if buy that had, this like, is you now. he had, like, gotten down on some shit, yeah, like, he had been in a fight. Yeah, and I just, I can't really see him being in a relationship with Jude Law. Like, that didn't, that casting and the way they designed the character was just garbage. It just yeah. doesn't doesn't make sense. And so then they tone it down with this this new guy. Who is he? Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, He sure. plays Kytsilius. He's the villain in the first Doctor Strange. Oh, yes, yeah, so he is. Okay. Yeah, he just, he looks like... Uh, he still has kind of the weird glassy eye, but not really he to did. the same extent. Like they tone it all down. It's weird. Yeah. It actually took me almost halfway through the movie to realize that his, his right eye is still um, heterochromatic. Yeah. Right, right, right. That's what it is. Um, not but a glass eye. I wasn't no, sure. No, it's not. I know. And that's the thing is like, you have to wonder if they implied that he has heterochromia because that other eye is what helps him see the future. But then we, this is where storytelling just becomes, this is, you can tell there is no plan for these movies. 
And this is exactly how you can fucking tell. In Crimes of Grindelwald, Grindelwald requires this skull hookah to see the future. But in this, any kind of fucking liquid or reflection, he just somehow can immediately see the future. It like Which I there's just I don't no, understand that. How does that either. fit into any of the magic system? And we'll talk it about that more shortly. At all. But like but yeah. here's my thing. Honestly, like even in the magical world, they could have explained his change and not confused anybody. All they had to say in the very beginning of the movie, which I'm gonna be totally honest with you guys, was my favorite part of this movie. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, all he had to say was I see you changed your look and Grindelwald could have just been like, if I'm going to change the world, I needed to change the face that everyone was so afraid of. Yeah. I could have just said that and nothing else. No explanation would have been fine. There's been enough of that wonkiness all the way through. I was honestly waiting for it because we had gotten him like in disguise in fantastic beasts and where to find them, but we don't get any of that shit in this. And so then we go on this fucking roller coaster of chaotic subplots. First of all, do you guys remember that time when everything that Grindelwald did, he did for Credence in an effort to destroy Dumbledore? Because I fucking do. But if you mm-hmm. watched this movie, you would have been like, wow, was that a fever dream? I don't remember any of that shit. Yeah, because did I hallucinate movies one and two? Because Credence doesn't matter now. He doesn't matter. And I'm going to say this with as much calm in my voice as i possibly can (laughs) (laughs) what in the literal fuck was the point of bringing in nagini at all i only to retcon what she is because you know what and i'm gonna i'm gonna say this once and then we're gonna move on and we're gonna talk about some more (laughs) some more more your rant goes on before we get into the magic system But I am only going to say this once in this review. I am not going to turn this into a referendum on J.K. Rowling. However, fuck you, J.K. Rowling. Fuck your inability to hold your shit together. This is her. This is her being like, I just want to play. I want to play with my characters. Nagini's a man, a man, a man, make some bullshit up. Her whole favorite thing is to go back and retcon shit in a way that just doesn't make sense and isn't accepted. And it makes shit fall apart. So it's just like, what? (laughs) Here's what's actually really funny. Boo JK Rowling. Boo the fact that she's making any money from this whatsoever. I know. I want to get this into a whole thing about her, but I just fuck her. No, you're fine. I, I'm 100% behind you. And actually, this this brings me into one of my fun facts. Um, because of the mixed reception with Crimes of Grindelwald, the film actually was delayed an entire year beyond what it was delayed uh, even before the pandemic um, to allow J.K. Rowling to uh, fine-tune the script. However, it became so... Dude. She doesn't know how to write a screenplay, dude. Like, why do they keep fucking hiring her and Yates? Why? Dude, if we, I swear to God, if I find out that David Yates has anything to do with the Wizarding World again, I am flat. You guys heard it here live recorded. (laughs) I am never watching that shit. Oh my God, we're so bad. We hate this. But... (laughs) Look, and we're not like this about any other franchise. No, we're, we're really like, not. We're, really not. And we're not going to be like that about the first, I think, three movies. The first three movies are the ones I have, I'm have. i okay with. But I'm going to be so 
so I bad. I, we're going to see what that looks like. <laughs> anyway, anyway, as we, we, can, we continue to try to stay on track to talk about this. What do we got left in the writing rant? What else so, do we want to talk about in ways that this was done poorly? So it's a lot of things that just like don't add up like things are talked about but then nothing happens with them like dude okay grindelwald jumps off the wall at the end in bhutan and his followers are just gone why did literally no one in the crowd try to apprehend them like newt's whole crew is right there and he was just outed in front of the entire wizarding world as a fraud like that he faked it it's interesting how different Grindelwald's followers are from the Death Eaters. They're, they seem to be just sort of like the masses. Like yeah. there's not a lot of, uh, they've all kind of been lied to, but it's like Queenie like realizes it in the speech, which actually yeah. was a solid moment when he's like, and nobody's marrying any muggles and it's all about the purebloods. And she's like, oh, fuck, you lied to me. That's yeah, why I joined like, you. Holy shit. Yeah. What so I fuck? think maybe if there'd been a little bit more of that it was like oh you almost had a, a th- you almost made sense yeah like right? you were right there and it, the last thing i'm gonna get on as far as the writing goes is two things number one jacob is noticeably acknowledged as an attempted assassin on grindelwald it's right. in the newspaper they fucking talk about it why is he allowed to just walk around free why is no one trying to arrest him? Like, he, I, it's in your newspaper. He tried to fucking assassinate someone at the German Ministry of Magic. The last thing I'm going to talk about is that we don't know what this election is for until almost halfway through the movie. We we have no idea what they're even talking about, What who is being elected for what. And then you don't even find out that it's for the Supreme Mugwump of the International Confederacy of Wizards. Until literally until Grindelwald puts his plan into action and they are at the fucking election ceremony in Bhutan. I think they make it clear in Germany. I was following that in Germany. I understood that that's what was going on. Oh, I could not pick that up at all. I picked up on that, which shocks me because normally it's you that makes up that shit and not me. But I did pick up that it was for Supreme Mugwump. However, you can bet they're never going to say the word Mugwump in one of these movies. This is too... Oh, and gritty guys it can't be jk rowling's done with her silly stage now with her silly world, words totally different no. yeah no but that it so we'll talk we'll talk more about the mugwump situation um can i ask you a question about that then so dumbledore we know for a fact becomes supreme mugwump right we do know this yes why did he not if if, if the supreme mugwump has the ability to declare war as the single voice of the entire wizarding world why did dumbledore just not say that sirius black was innocent i don't know i i agree that that doesn't make any fucking sense like what like this really retcons what the role of supreme web entails because that well it's just another place where it's like it's not congruous with what we know from yeah. the books or from because we know that he is that and we know that he doesn't really do anything with it. And then now they're like, let's expand on what Supreme Mugwump is. And it's like, yeah, dope, do that. But it makes it so that other stuff doesn't make sense. OK, so this is kind of like Harry Potter retconning is like Star Wars retconning done badly. Star Wars yes. often does better than this, to be clear. Um, but what I will say 
And if you didn't predict this was coming up this week, then you don't know me very well, Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who does this correctly? Better Call Saul. That's right. That's right, Scott. Better Call Saul. <laughs> That's who does this right. So listeners, if you would like to cleanse your palate after this by watching a prequel that is, in fact, the best thing on television, go watch Better Call Saul. It's new on Monday, April. That's 18th. all this plug is, or show is, you guys. It's plugs for Lindsay's like fanatical shows right now. Yeah, where every two or three weeks I switch obsessions and I get on the podcast and I'm like, the greatest thing. In the-. No, but for real, yeah. though, better call Saul. And actually, I do think it's apropos. Like, it's actually done well where it's like, yeah. let's take a throwaway line, some bullshit from the original canon like Supreme Mugwump, and let's try to explain it. And Harry Potter does it in a way that just creates questions. Better Call Saul, Vince Gilligan, and Peter Gould, they do it in a way that is like makes the whole thing more rich and makes you want to go back to Breaking Bad. And for a movie that is made by the fucking people who made the original series the same as Better Call Saul is, this is a joke. Like this, It's not like new people came in. Fucking J.K. Rowling and David Yates are doing this. So why is it like this? David Yates has directed... The last five, everything after he, he, everything uh, after Goblet movie, of Fire, right? Yeah, yeah, everything after Goblet of Fire. It was purely David Yates. Uh, he has directed all three of the Fantastic Beasts movies, and J.K. Rowling has been involved in the script process in every single movie. Yeah, and so I, and so while it is a plug for my latest thing, and hands down, without debate, the greatest thing on television, the show on TV. Ev- I'm not kidding though. I God fucking damn it. That show is so good. But like they have it's the same thing, right? They've got all the original people and they do it super, super incredibly well. And it just improves the the original. And this is just makes it a fucking clusterfuck. And anyway, we're going to come back to some of this political stuff. But tell me about the magic system. Yeah, this is kind of our final note in terms of like ranting on just the overall bullshit before we get into the movie itself, which yeah. is it's going to be like an hour of rant. So <laughs> um, I just I just hate how all of the movies, but especially the Fantastic Beasts movies, make the magic system not work. So it's like just to start off basic with the basics just to get this out of the way i really hate in these movies how everybody can do nonverbal magic like they take oh, things that in the original canon even in in the original movies like apparition that are supposed to be really difficult or nonverbal mm-hmm. magic a lot of people don't do it and one of the things that the sixth book did really well was introducing nonverbal magic and being like, and it's super difficult and not everybody can do it and show that. And then you can reflect back on a lot of your adult characters and be like, oh yeah, okay. I see which ones are like that. Actually that tracks. Some of these guys are more powerful than others. And these are some of the ways that you can tell who prefers to apparate, who doesn't, who, you know, things like that, that actually like make the story richer. And this, you know, the only, everybody does nonverbal magic and the only, even, even, Fucking Credence, who has no magical training, can do nonverbal magic. And the reason that they have it here is so that the fans can't go back and say, what is this spell? What did that do? How come that? And try to make the soft magic system a little bit harder. Right. And and because the magic system in Harry Potter originally, to be clear, is much harder than this. It is a soft magic system, but it's way harder than Fantastic oh, Beast yeah. makes it. And so the only reason everyone can do nonverbal magic is so that we can't pick it apart. So they just wave their wand and some crazy shit happens, right? It's not even crazy shit. It's just 
explosions, light, like brief baseball size explosions of light. Yeah. Just pew, pew. Yep. That's literally what it is. That's it. Just, and it, it, it doesn't make any fucking sense. And so for those who are the, for the uninitiated, the difference between a soft and a hard magic system is that a hard magic system has really hard and fast rules. Defined. You can do this. You cannot do this. This is how this works when you do this. Mm-hmm. So the Wheel of Time, the magic system there is very much a hard magic system. There's certain things you can do and certain things you can't and certain ways you can put it together. And that's fucking it. A soft magic system is one where you can kind of pull something out of your asshole and it's fine. It doesn't have to be totally explained. It's a little bit amorphous. So the Lord of the Rings is a soft magic system. It's like kind of clear what Gandalf can do, but not really. Yeah, we have no extent what his power is. Yeah. And Harry Potter in the books is also a soft magic system where even though we understand how magic works, it's it's much harder than the Lord of the Rings, for instance, where it's like, uh, right. But it's still soft. Like it's still... What what really defines hard and soft, I think, is where the bounds are. So like your your limits of your power, that's what will kind of define a soft or a hard system a lot of the time. And in something like the Wheel of Time, they define that upper limit once you get a certain you burn out, right? And yeah, basically burn out, right? Um, and they define what that upper limit looks like. And in Harry Potter, they don't, and that's what makes it soft. So you can think yeah. about like. Um, we can under this. I think the best way to understand it, uh, we know that in Harry Potter, you can float objects and move objects around and things like that. Right. right. Guardian Leviosa simple, or they have the Tonks has her pack spell, right. Or oh, Dumbledore yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, Slughorn when they clean up the house at the start of the sixth book. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we see that kind of stuff happen, but what we never are told, even though we see it is like, how mechanically do you get the spell to do those specific things? Because it's nonverbal magic at that point. Yeah. When Dumbledore is doing stuff like that. So it's like, it's like Reparo mm, on a room scale. So. Right. And so we don't really learn the upper limit. It's yeah. like, and what's the container on that? Is there one? Well, and the, the other big part about it, too, is we don't know how long I could sit in a room and just levitate a Coke can. There's no I have no idea how long I could do that before I get do I get tired? Can I do it forever? Is yes. there a finite amount of magical power within me? It is sort of talked about at the tail end of Half-Blood Prince when Dumbledore tells Harry that he's he's like used up his magical power to open the door and it's meant to like weaken you and stuff. To get into the the cave, yeah, but or whatever. It's not but really even then, defined. it's not. Yeah, it's not defined. Yeah. And that's why Harry Potter does have a soft magic system, and I'm yeah. totally fine with that. When like her, an example people give a lot of the time when they talk about this is when Hermione pulls Glissio out of her actual asshole oh, just because yeah. they need it. That's one of the other things. Is like, is there a spell for anything? Fucking sure. Because and they don't have to set it up. They just can. And that was always fine with me because it's like, of course, they learn more than we're explicitly seen in class. Like, that's fine. It's not a big deal. But um, the stuff that they have in Fantastic Beasts is just not believable. The way they change their clothes, their appearance, they can now raise things from the dead for a time, which is not part like what the fuck like that was not established. Like, there's a lot of the ways that they break the established system. Another one is the way they apparate where like, sometimes they apparate and it looks like they're apparating. Sometimes they're just like smoke. Yeah, or they just like in that I'm like, fine, it's an aesthetic. What I don't like is when they're like chasing each other and they just sort of like, like five in the umbrella academy, they sort of skip forward distance. That's not apparating. That's 
like a teleporting in a different way. Like it's, yeah, it's really strange. And it just, it just breaks the system so much that it's just like, you don't even know what's possible. And that's what I think made Harry Potter so much fun was that even though we didn't totally know the upper limit, we kind of had a, a basic idea of what was possible. And they basically stayed within that. And especially when it was Harry fighting, it's like, he only knows so much shit, right? Like, well, yeah. and, uh, and, and, I don't know. It was just more fun when you had like a deck of cards to play with instead of like whatever I want. And I imagine I wave my wand and it's so it is. And I just I don't like I can that. make a bridge out of book pages. Like, yeah, because I, fuck it. Yeah, that doesn't make sense with the spells we know. It's like yeah. how they should that kind of thing is like that would have been like Dumbledore only level. And I get that it was Grindelwald doing that, wasn't it? Who did that? No, that was Lally. Uh, well, that's ridiculous. Who was? I'm going to tell you guys right now. She was one of the single shining parts of this movie. Yeah, I she was, she was loved cool. her. I liked her too, but she came out of goddamn absolutely nowhere. She was at the end of Crimes of Grindelwald. She's one of the she people the there, but whatever, that was but it. Whatever. I tell me about the biggest bullshit thing in the magic in this movie, and then we'll so, move into some of the characters. Yeah. Um. As Lindsay had just said, um, there are established things, and this is established both in the books. And the movies. This is one of probably my biggest irritations. Fake Moody in Goblet of Fire tells the entire class that you cannot block or defend against the killing curse. The only thing that can stop it is a physical thing. Mm -hmm. So like a wall between you or Dumbledore enchants the, the Fountain of Magical Brethren to protect Harry during the fight in Order of the Phoenix. So the only explanation, like I'm fine up until uh, Deathly Hallows with Harry being able to suppress or block Voldemort's killing curse with his own one because they share the twin cores and they are not meant to be able to attack each other, which is loose. But Wandlore is very confusing. No, that, that's fine with me in all of Harry Potter. I like that. That's part of the soft magic system, right? right. It's like, oh, there's shit that we kind of didn't realize could happen here. And exactly. not everything is priori and cantatum. Jesus no, it's fuck. Not. Yeah. I am so tired of that in all the movies. They're like, two beams of light crash against each other. I'm like, no. No, that's never what that we have never seen yeah. in the books. An example when two spells collide and, and like just smash into each other the way that they do in every movie, except yeah. for in Priori and Cantatum. What would actually happen with the spells just bounce off each other and or they wouldn't even hit each other. Over, right? they, would they would just, just fly right through each other. each other or they would hit each other and that's it. Because remember, <laughs> the most important thing is they are not palpatining this shit. They're not just like power and shooting right. like expelliarmus <laughs> for like three hours. It's a yeah, fucking right? jet of light. It's one spell. It's yeah. not. Yeah, you're right. When they collide, they would just they probably explode. Yeah, I think they that would just would be, be like it would be an explosion. But exactly. that's it. You're not then in a power struggle. That's only priority. And exactly. Adam, and it's fucking infuriating. Anyway, go on. When Grindelwald fires the killing curse at Credence, we see Abiforth and Albus fire Unknown spells, not even Expelliarmus, just unknown white jets of light at a three-way angle towards Credence. Aberforth and Albus's catch the killing curse and no, no, that 
Who cares? Aberforth and Albuses should have hit each other and gone, I don't know where. I'm not a geometry major. I don't know the angles that they were firing at. Grindelwald should have just fucking hit Credence. Yeah, because you can't stop the killing. You curse. can't stop it. It's yeah. it, it. There's and the uh, the absolute lack of explanation of why that broke the blood bond necklace. Yeah, what? It's I... lazy. It's chaotic. It's stupid. And I'm going to be straight up honest with you guys. It is insulting to the fandom that yeah. you chose not to explain anything to us, rather than give us a deeper richer understanding of the magic system that you fucking broke yeah they it's uh, these movies have broken it like i you can only make it so soft before it's just fucking goo it's loosey-goosey at this point it's the jello of magic and it's not it's no longer interesting i think that's the thing like i and listen i am the biggest Tolkien fan, right? Like that's my what? bread and butter fandom. I know it's a shock. This is news to me. I am not like a person who just fundamentally doesn't like soft magic systems. Yeah. I love the magic system in Harry Potter, but this breaks it. These fantastic beast movies break it yeah. and it sucks. It super sucks. And I think losing the school aspect really hurts that because something that was like very basic and like yeah. not impressive <laughs> but worked in the Harry Potter books was that the kids would learn a spell in class and it would be imperative to their survival in the end when inevitably after immediately after exams, Voldemort chooses to come. Like it's just, all right. I didn't want to interrupt your guys' study time, but time yeah. to die, Harry. Like I'm not saying it's the most masterful writing. I'm just saying it's like basic <laughs> shit that works. Yeah. And I think when you're like lose that cadence, like these movies are just like, yeah, yeah just whatever. And I'm like, so <laughs> So let's talk about the the Fantastic Beasts. Tell me Fantastic about Newt Beast. and his trunk of awesome. And his trunk of awesome, which is my favorite part of these movies. Like Same. honestly, I'm like, can't we? We should. They should have been two different things because we're going to talk about it in detail soon. But I I enjoy Dumbledore and Grindelwald and think that that should be oh, its yeah. own thing. And I enjoy Newt's case of of wacky antics, and I believe that should be its <laughs> own thing. Um, somehow I'm attached to Pick and the Nifflers. I don't know how that happened. I love Pickett and the the Nifflers are fucking hysterical. I love that Teddy has a name now. That the black Niffler that's always with Newt. Yeah. yeah I yeah. love that he has a name now. That's yeah. fucking awesome. I had he no is idea hysterical. That he got named. I'm like, yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah. It's dude, they're great. I love Pickett. I love that Pickett became an actual part of um Newt's like everyday life like he even had the ring around his neck at the end of the movie too i know like, he's always was... with him he's yeah. his best buddy i loved that it, i i don't know how i got attached to him but i am they're awesome they're just i think it's because it reminds me that we are still in a magical universe but also like they're fucking adorable they are it's true and and useful and part of the plot which is yes nice. very much so and it's not this is where this is like one of the one times where i'm like okay them being where they are makes sense like being locked in the prison in germany although the only part i do have a problem with is Pickett could pick the lock of this iron lock but he can barely carry this wooden wand yeah that's the only part where i was like that why and then how did teddy get out i don't know that was just me nitpicking well but you're not wrong 
<laughs> but I do I do like him. He's cute and the CG on him is good. Like it he is looks really believable. Good. Yeah. I also like in fact I'm gonna go ahead and say all the CG looked good. It did. This is actually not a really bad looking movie. None of them have been, and I think they have to put money into that because of the Fantastic Beast thing and that there's always gotta be a monster. Yeah. I liked it in this time this movie, the monster was really part of the plot. I liked the what was it called? The deer thing. Oh, the chillin'. The chillin'. I liked it. Um, I like that it, like, that the Fantastic Beast had an impact on the plot. Like, I think it's important that for whatever crazy reason, there's always some kind of animal that, like, makes Newt a valuable member of Asset the team. of the team. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, otherwise, like, why is this about you? Like, it just, <laughs> so it's good that that's part of the plot. I, I thought that was, like, the one the one bright light in the sea of really bad writing. I was like, ah, yes, but the, the deer matters though. But Newt's Newt knowing what's going on here actually matters. So that's nice to see. Um, I do think it's hilarious that this whole crowd, just no problem supports wizard Hitler. Cause the deer said so. Uh, yeah. That also like blew my mind. I I'm get like, it. Like what? it's a tradition <laughs> or whatever, but is there a reason why the whole world is just willing to accept that Grindelwald, who three days ago was literally a wanted criminal for, like, confirmed crimes. These are not, like, subjective. These are confirmed crimes. He literally used one of the most powerful and dangerous spells to blow up a mausoleum in Paris. Yeah. And he is he killed a fuckload of ministry wizards. Yeah. Like, But now this deer is like, nah, he good, bro. It's completely ridiculous. He's solid. And everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, I, uh. but I did like that. The, the deer chooses the leader. Like, I do I was think like, that's cool. That's, yeah. That's okay. That's like, uh, that like made, it made sense. It made it, it made like the MacGuffin, a fantastic beast yep. that had an actual impact on the plot that tracked. I, that well, was, you know, basically it, fine. It did a really good job, too, of showing that Dumbledore has changed from when he was a kid because the chillin' does bow to him. But also, and I loved this. This is what this movie really should have been about. Is I loved every aspect of this that involved Dumbledore mm-hmm. and his past and, like, him coming to terms with all this shit. And him being upset that the chillin' knelt to him is so on point for the Dumbledore that we know. He doesn't want power. He doesn't yeah. want to be in that position. And that's why we never see him do anything as the Supreme w- Mugwump is he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to be Minister of Magic. He, you know, like he, it, I liked that about the deer kneeling to him. I liked it a lot. And I hope that we come back to that because yeah. that's the movie I want to see where the actual character through line is where Dumbledore is finally decides to be willing to accept that because we know he is, he does yep. eventually. And I hope that a later movie, should they be made, yeah, uh, shows shows that happening i'd like to see this deer as an adult bow to dumbledore again much later again yeah and him actually accept it i if that's not how this whole series ends they have fucked up horribly like after grindelwald's gone it would make sense for him to take that on and also become headmaster which he's not at this point right so no he's he's actually dark arts teacher and he's the defense against the dark arts teacher, which is funny because fans love pointing out that Dumbledore was the transfiguration teacher. Wasn't he though? He was eventually he was until Minerva got there 
and then now Minerva is there, she is the transfiguration teacher now. So he is the defense against the dark arts teacher. Except I'm 99.99% sure that Voldemort at one point says, but if it wasn't for that dastardly transfiguration teacher, he always, he always saw me Dumbledore. Like he says that at some point, right? So he was transfiguration teacher to Tom, which means none of this tracks. I know this is why the, the fucking thing doesn't line up. And like, why is McGonagall there already? Like, well, that she's too, that doesn't make any sense. JK Rowling, I will remind you, you already published a Canon backstory for McGonagall that involves none of this. Like I just, what the fuck that please everyone go home and watch better call Saul. I just, (laughs) it's anyway. Um, what did you think of the other like sort of extended beast scene with the scorpion crabs? So my only thing is I swear to God, if these are supposed to be blast ended scroots, I'm going to fucking lose it. Because that is not how they are described in any way. If these were supposed to be the blast-ended screws, they, first of all, that's an incredible inaccuracy to the canon. And second yeah. of all, if they were going to do something that egregious, I guarantee you they'd tell us about oh, it. Oh, they would have said something about it. Yeah, the fact that they don't get a name, I'm totally fine with. That's pretty cool. I thought um, fire crabs, but there was no fire. Just of beasts that we know the names of. Well, but then he does shoot like literal molten fire from the stinger oh yeah wait eventually there is fire isn't yeah there? he's shooting molten fire it i'd be okay if these were fire crabs i think it's a fire crab because yeah. didn't didn't they say as well that uh the blast ended scroots were a mix between a fire crab and something else they're supposed to look like gray lobsters without heads no totally but they specify what they're a mix of hagrid says oh yeah they're like some like hybrid fire crab and like something else because and something else um, and I, but i i think that it would make sense that this is what a fire crab is and its size because it's definitely described as like oh, one yeah, of the magical creatures that you don't fuck with right yeah they were massive dude yeah because yeah, rita's like cool. are you aware that it's like against the law to breed animals or whatever so yeah if i'm fine with these being fire crabs i'm behind that now i forgot that blast and his were like an amalgamation of like two or three creatures yeah they were two they were two they were cross between fire crabs and something else i'm gonna look it up now Magical hybrid bred by Rubius Hagrid in the autumn of 1994, crossbreeding manticores and fire crabs. Oh. Manticores. That's where this. Oh, that's what those are then. Okay. So, no, they're not fire crabs. They're manticores. Okay. Yeah, but a manticore is a mix between like a scorpion and a lion. Yeah. So, I feel like what we saw was the. It's got to be like the fire What we crab. saw is nothing. I feel like it doesn't yeah. make sense because nothing in these fucking movies <laughs> makes any sense. And it's like dude that's not correct like i god damn it but they were all right they were uh, that scene was cool that was like eddie redmayne getting to do his thing and i enjoyed it and like there were i personally was at this point a little too upset to laugh but most of my theater was laughing (laughs) so i was thinking about that when i was walking out of the out of my theater because uh you guys didn't hear this but i was the only one in my theater i went and saw it at 10 o'clock last night Scott went in the middle of the night. I did. <laughs> um, but I was walking out and I was thinking about it and I was like, this movie, the only times that I was laughing was a result of something Jacob did, which is fine because that's what he's there for. And I fucking love Jacob. And this is the only thing that Lindsay and I are going to split apart on. I love Jacob and Queen. I know. I love Jacob and Queenie. I love I love their relationship and I love how traumatizing it was that he wouldn't go with her when she chose to join Grindelwald in Crimes of Grindelwald. But then here's where we just 
completely shit all over that is when he's like, I'm never going to let uh, muggles uh, date <laughs> wizards. Like, and then she's like, yo, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, like, I, I, why like she didn't, did how does she can read minds? How does she not yeah. understand his whole plan? <laughs> how did, how did that slip by her? I how just, is she fooled? I just, yeah. yeah. What, did, what the fuck, man? Like, I thought that was weird in the first one. And I also, I really deeply aggressively with every atom in my body hate what they've done to the concept of a legilimens. What a load of shit. She's just born and can do that. You well, don't have nobody to use can do that. Yeah. How many times does Snape say no one can read minds? It's not reading minds. It's more subtle. And Harry's like, sounds like reading minds to me because Harry's a fucking doofus who doesn't yeah, understand like nuance. You know, I just <laughs> that was so I that that is the kind of thing that pisses me off. But um, but yeah, I I mean, I guess let's just do Jacob while we're talking about him. I love Jacob. I love Jacob, too. And it's I the Jacob and Queenie stuff gets me too, because I want the two of them to be like happy and together. Right. Things. Cause I want Jacob to be happy. Queenie sucks. Dude. She gets off so easy. Way too easily. Um, but also I think she feels really bad for credence. Oh, definitely. I think yeah. she, and they just don't explore it enough. It's just no. weird. It's just all this really surface level. Like it's just not satisfying, yeah. you know? And here's another, and I'm glad that you pointed this out because this was like my first fucking thought. Literally, I don't know what it is about the Harry Potter movies and ending with a problem I have about a wand, but this is now the second mm-hmm. time that we've gotten here. Yeah, what the what, shit? What was the fucking point of him getting a wand? He never uses it. It never comes up. The only time that they show it is like, Grindelwald is like, this is the wand. This is the muggle that tried to assassinate me. Honestly, it felt like I, I just, I just don't understand because there, it would have made sense if, like, for them to get into the German ministry, you had to have a wand yeah. or something. But the fact that the wand was like explicitly not real really took away from that. Like, I expected. Yeah, it like, has no core. Right, and you know when they do like wand weighing or they check your wand at the ministry and stuff, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, dragon heartstring," and blah blah blah, and that it would have made sense if it was like this was my buddy so and so, and they could have name dropped somebody and had yep. like their fun retconny reference that they want, and they could have done that whole thing, and they didn't, and it was never useful for him to have the wand except for this like fake threat that then what's her name has to oh do the that magic Lally for has him. to do the magic for him to that make the looked- storm kind of cool but it was totally unnecessary because yeah. he didn't need to do any of that right like it was a cool scene I, but he didn't need to do any of that he didn't need to step up or get involved at all he could have just run under the radar all he did was create problems and it didn't make any sense and they never like checked the wand and the wand never does anything and Dumbledore says to him keep this close to you right and yeah. my expectation from that and I was actually stoked about it, it until it turned out not to happen was that it would be kind of like the put outer that he gives Ron. Yeah, like it would have some kind of MacGuffin hidden thing inside it to help him. Or like it would exp- what I actually expected to have happen was Grindelwald was gonna take it from Jacob and try to cast a spell with it and it was gonna like trap him in something. Yeah, I expected it to have some other function. Yeah. Especially when he said, and there's no core. Yep. Like this does nothing. I really, really expected it to do something else. Um, even maybe a better comparison is the snitch that Harry gets. Yeah, I open it, it to close. Yeah, yeah, and it actually has like it does something. Um, 
but the wand totally pointless and i get how it was like trailer fodder but it just pissed everybody off and it's like oh i just i just didn't i didn't understand any of that but otherwise i like jacob i think um i honestly think it was in there just to be funny like when he's sitting at the table in in hogwarts telling the <laughs> girls like they can't touch it because it's super dangerous and he got it for christmas yeah. first of all that's exactly how i would be if I was just, you like, would, yes. thrust into the magical world and someone was like, how did you get that? I'd be like, I got it for Christmas. So, like, Jacob is a good anchor. He is. He really, he really is. And I did enjoy that scene when the Slytherins give him the cockroach clusters. He's like, fuck you guys with his eyes. Yeah. Like, I thought that was pretty, like, the Jacob stuff is the best stuff. Yeah. Well, Okay. The Jacob stuff is the best stuff next to the Dumbledore and Grindelwald stuff. The Dumbledore and Grindelwald stuff. And when I tell you guys, honest to God, that my favorite scene in this movie was the opening scene. Yeah. I 100%. 100%. I could have gotten... I If this had been 10 minutes longer, I would have been totally fine. Oh, me too. I really, really liked their dynamic. I'm so glad it's not Johnny Depp. Because like I said... Just... I don't think this would have worked with Johnny Depp. I don't think that chemistry would be there and the aesthetic was so weird. And now yeah. I could kind of believe that these two were together. It was like, that was so unbelievable with Johnny Depp and they were never in a scene together. Right. So it's like, great. Goodbye forever, Johnny. Yep. But this whole thing, here's what has pissed me off about this from the beginning. Cause when, when this series was announced and it became clear what it was really going to be about. Cause it was like five movies about Newt's commander. What the fuck? Yeah, like, and okay. then I was like, Oh, it's going to be about the first wizarding war and Dumbledore and Grindelwald this, and it's disguised as this fantastic beast thing. Like four years ago, I was like, this is brilliant. I was totally oh, on board yeah. with the way they were going to do it. Um, and now it's like, why didn't this start with Dumbledore and Grindelwald as kids? Why are mm -hmm. we not seeing that? Why are they not the focal point? And yeah. have Newt be like, or better yet, fucking Jacob. But I don't mind having like a Newt and Jacob team of people in this movie. I just would like for it to be more centered on Dumbledore and Grindelwald. And they're very sort of untouchable, super powerful mentor characters. I mean, Grindelwald, obviously, yikes, but you know yeah, what I mean? Well, yeah. Um, and I get that having a story where like they are like, that's not a good anchor for the audience. Right. I guess is what I'm saying. They don't have the naivete to be a good audience avatar and a good protagonist. Like somebody like that's why Harry. Was, yeah. Born into a muggle world, right? So that we we're discovering. We learned it together. as he learned, yeah. Yeah, and so having like a Newt and a uh, Jacob make perfect sense. That's why we like Jacob because he's new to the Wizarding world and we get that magic back. That's why we like him. So I'm cool with that being like the main kind of people you're following through the movie. But this needs to be more about the relationship between Dumbledore and Grindelwald, and it needed to start in movie one with flashbacks to them together and have that be the bone, like the, the fucking spine of this story. And then let us go on fantastic adventures with Newt and everything, but keep this as the, the current that's yeah. moving the series forward. And it's, that's where they're fucking it up. Yeah. I, I'm a hundred percent behind you. And, and I said this later on, um, in my notes and I, I gotta remember where I put, but Oh, it was in my in my actual rating of the movie, but <clears throat> we got more about Dumbledore's past in this movie than both of the Deathly Hallow movies where his past is 50% of the plot of that book. 
Mm-hmm. What? What in the literal fuck? And it's all, but it's all weird. Like the way that they're doing the backstory is like. Through retellings and him having the conversation with Newt in the attic. And you find out about what happened to Ariana and everybody's suspicion was confirmed that she was an obscurial too, which is fine. I'm totally okay with that. That's whatever. No, no. That was the thing that made the most sense about the first movie was like, that was where they were almost starting to like, that's good prequeling. Right. Yeah, but they exactly. kind of fuck it up because where I think they fuck this up with the Ariana Obscurus thing is like they say in this movie that you become an Obscurus like out of lack of love and stuff. And it's like that was never the case for Ariana. If you haven't read the books, guys, this is basically what happens. The story that Dumbledore tells Newt about what happened to Ariana, that's spot on. That is 100% canon. He and Grindelwald were going to take the then, and this is almost a direct quote from the book. They were going to take the then custom trip around the world after graduating. And then Ariana or uh, Dumbledore's mom passed away. Because Ariana accidentally murdered Ariana her. accidentally kills her. Um and you find out through the tales of like most of it is actually the conversation that Harry has with Dumbledore at the end of Deathly Hallows, but Ariana was bullied by three little kids. It was three muggle boys who saw Ariana doing spells before she could control it when she was a little kid, like really yeah. little, at like kind of like Lily with the flowers. Or the right. Spring, right. And so she's like fucking around and then they come at her and they try to force her to do it again. And she can't because she can't control it. And so when she can't replicate the trick, then what's implied is that they beat the shit out of her. Yeah, and so she becomes afraid of her magical power, and she seeks to suppress it. And that is what the book says leads to the creation of the Obscurial. Obviously, the Obscurials didn't exist in the book yet, but it implies with the connection of Fantastic Beasts. So she's trying to suppress this power that is supposed to be naturally forming in her body, and she's suppressing it. It creates this Obscurial. The same way that um, Credence was suppressing it because magic wasn't allowed in that time in New York, which is what made sense about the first Fantastic Beast movie. It was like, oh, yeah, I can totally see how this guy living in the Muggle orphanage, all the things. The religiously fanatical mom. And yeah, she. Yeah. All that totally tracks. Right. So Dumbledore's dad gets hella pissed and it doesn't just explicitly say what he does, but it is somewhat implied that he either killed the kids or just flat out attacked them. We know for a fact he attacked them. He just he, attacks them. Yeah. He, he, I don't know. He ends up in Azkaban. He ends up in Azkaban. He dies in Azkaban. So they move and then they end up moving to Godric's Hollow, which is where uh, Harry is raised for a year before he's taken away from there. Right. <laughs> Um, and then Grindelwald is the Dumbledore's neighbor's nephew, uh, who was Matilda Bagshot's nephew, who wrote A History of Magic, and he comes to live in Godric's Hollow, and then he and Dumbledore fall in love, and they plot to find the Deathly Hallows, another thing not explained in these movies, in order to subjugate the Muggles, basically. And then Dumbledore becomes disillusioned and walks. And then they have this conversation... As they're about to leave, and Aberforth never liked Grindelwald. He saw he was he was bad news or whatever. Yeah, Aberforth was always like a basically a good dude. Exactly. Um, and so he has an argument with Albus about like, dude, you cannot go with him. You this is madness. 
what you're doing is basically abandoning your family. And the movie that we just saw, Dumbledore states he doesn't know. No one saw Ariana come downstairs. But Abforth raised his wand to Grindelwald, and Dumbledore raised his wand to Abforth. And he doesn't know. No one in that room knows whose spell hit Ariana. Where it breaks down with Fantastic Beasts from the books is that... Dumbledore tells Harry he didn't go after Grindelwald until it became obvious that like he absolutely had to like things were super fucked because he didn't want to find out who whose spell ultimately killed Ariana because he doesn't know whether Grindelwald knows or not he just he just doesn't he doesn't want to find out Grindelwald was just standing there laughing that's all Dumbledore says is he just thought the entire situation was hilarious Right. That Aberforth and Dumbledore were fighting. And then Grindelwald runs away. He leaves. Like, he goes off and becomes another powerful wizard. And Dumbledore ends up... Uh, he just gets jobs or whatever. And then eventually he becomes a transfiguration teacher. I think he probably goes back to Hogwarts like, yeah. almost immediately. Probably. He probably does a lot of his research and stuff. Like, all the things he's famous for Oh, the dragon's and, blood and all that. Yeah, yeah, meets Nicholas Flamel. All that has to happen in the interim. But... um. But in in Fantastic Beasts, what they say is that they have this vow. This is what I've been trying to get at. Oh, right. Is in the books, it's just I loved him and I didn't want to know who killed Ariana on that day. Right. And I refused to go after him. Yeah. And I wouldn't go after him. And it was too hard for me. Right. It's like an emotional thing. Um, And it's absolutely a choice that he makes. And I think it makes Dumbledore more interesting because that's a pick. like, for instance, um, I don't care who it was that he had to go against harry wouldn't have hesitated if harry had to fight Ginny because shit went down it would have been hard but he would have yeah he would have done it so it's it's a cool characterization of dumbledore in the ways that he's weaker than harry which he says a lot in the book yep. and accurate and so in the movies though they're saying that it's because of this blood vow and so i want to throw a fit about this because why isn't this just an unbreakable vow? This yeah. is just more breaking of the magic system. If there was another way to do this, like, honestly, this is so sinister. If this existed, like, well, I don't think this is what, what uh, Narcissa Malfoy would have done, like, or what Bellatrix would have insisted instead of an unbreakable vow. Yeah, absolutely. Of like, yeah, no, not just like, I want you to die horribly if you break it. Cause this appears to be the difference is that a, you can't even consider it. You can't even think about it without it creating an issue for you. Yeah, the thing tried to kill him just because he thought about Just for thinking him. about it. Yeah. And and B, it kills you horribly. So yeah. fuck off. This isn't what the Death Eaters would have used. Like, oh, why absolutely. is this what Albus would have done? It's so obviously dark magic compared to an unbreakable vow. I it it just it just breaks everything. So first of all, I barely understand what it is. Second of all, it just it shouldn't be here. And third of all, how did this stupid thing break anyway? Yeah. Like what? What That's was what I'm that? saying that this is an insult to the fandom that we don't even get an explanation. He literally says at the end of secrets or crimes of Grindelwald that he doesn't know if he can break it. And then all throughout this movie, he's like, I, it can't be broken. I don't know what we're going to do. And then he just, he, his explanation is verbatim. Grindelwald sought to destroy. I sought to protect. Perhaps our destinies crossed. 
And it's like, why would that be the thing that breaks your fucking blood pact? That's so dumb. If anything, it should have gone after Grindelwald for acting against Dumbledore. For real, for acting against him. Yeah, like, what? I... It didn't make any sense and it didn't add anything to the story whatsoever because I think there would have been a lot more tension and it would have been a lot more exciting if it was just about their love story and that they just didn't want to hurt each other. That would have brought a lot more tension to that first scene at the diner or the restaurant, right? Where it's like if they could have gone after each other at any moment, but they just weren't. That would be a lot more interesting than this stupid thing. And also an unbreakable vow I, I guess I understand why they're not using the Unbreakable Vow in the movie, because if they did... You can't get around it. Yeah, they how could they have gotten around that um, to have them ultimately fight in the end? So they yeah. like made something up, but I think it would have been a lot more interesting and exciting if it wasn't about that and it was just about their love for each other. Yeah, if if Dumbledore just couldn't bring himself to fight Grindelwald here, like, and he was, and then they meet in this restaurant and Grindelwald's like... I can't do it. I still believe that you want this. If it had been more about Grindelwald being like, I'm going to show you that we're right. Yeah. I still want you. I still love you. Yeah. With me. Like I, that would have been so much more interesting. Like a little bit of a, a professor X Magneto thing. Where, exactly. Like, I could see the two of them sitting down to have dinner and not trying to kill each other out of just mutual respect. I feel like the reason that they didn't do that here is because of two other mistakes that they have made because it's an uh, it's just the you know the bottomless mimosa of issues it's so this is the the terrible brunch (laughs) of harry potter it is dude so the two things that i think they fuck up that make this impossible is one not having that flashback that i talked about yeah like we needed to have scenes of them when they were younger so that we understand their relationship it's it can't just be exposition even if it was reasonably well delivered exposition it was still just like what the fuck man why is this really important thing exactly. being delivered through exposition that doesn't make any sense and then the other like so we don't have the connection to it to understand that but now we right. need the stupid blood pact so that we can understand why they're not attacking each other cuz the other reason requires scenes that didn't happen right mm-hmm. so the other problem i think is the fact that um, they're trying to make this something that they can have in China. And that sucks. So this oh, is the yeah. most like overt LGBTQ plus relationship we've seen in a hot minute in a blockbuster film, right? By one of the major studios. It, it kind of is. Like, honestly, thinking back on it, of, of like a fandom that didn't normally have shit like this, Honestly, the last thing I can think is the the two the couple that run to kiss each other at the end of the Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. the pilot and the technician. Like when the two of them run and they kiss each other, like that was like a big deal because everybody's like, "Oh my god!" Like LGBTQ representation like, in yeah, Star Wars. Ish, That's right. awesome, and it's always so. And yeah. and you know why it's like that? Well, not, not just the not forced, but like um, side characters. People who you can cut yeah. in the Chinese cut. And so it doesn't exist and it can air in China. That's what that is. That's not really representation. Yeah. That's a scene that gets deleted for for China, basically. And this is kind of the same thing where they do say we were in love. We were in a relationship. But 
Yeah, I was in love with you. That's mm-hmm. like verbatim what he says. And those scenes times. will be cut. Those lines will be cut for China, and that's why they're so. There's only a couple of times that he says it. There's like three times that they say it overtly. All of them are quick and short so that they can be cut and they don't really have like if you don't have those lines and you're not coloring it that way, there's not a ton of reason to understand that there's no flashback. There's like they keep their relationship like that's why they have the stupid blood pact so that they can have a reason other than the fact that they love each other, that they're not attacking each other. Just say we were BFF, man. We made this at the at a, like a you know kegger or whatever. Like they, that's what they're trying to show <laughs> to China, and it pisses me off because it's representation and um, it's it's very it's just it's just cowardly. I think you know what I mean. And it's like fuck fuck the Chinese market, but also I understand they need it because we just said that like they're make that's where they're making money on this right now, and it just. It just sucks. Yeah. And I think that it really affects like the whole plot of everything because they're not going to like, how can they tell a proper Dumbledore and Grindelwald story when they can't make their relationship like focal? It has to be something that can be easily cut. That is going to fuck you over every single time. And I, I think that's what oh, makes yeah. this terrible. However, I did enjoy ridiculous and senseless though. It was the slow motion scene at the end where they have their wands in each other's faces, but their hands on each other's chest. That was, yeah. that was good. That was really cool. I did really like that. Um, tell me why in your opinion, the politics in this movie worked or like, what about the politics of this worked? Because this is, I did have a couple like fucking what? Moments. I think it's cool that in all these movies, we see a different ministry of magic. Right. We saw the French ministry in the second one and they were in yeah. obviously the British ministry, but like a cooler view of it, like not from a kid's point of view in the first one. So I thought it was cool that they were in Germany this time. I also thought that that tracks a lot. Obviously, this is the start of World War Two and the Wizarding World War goes yeah. parallel to it. Um, and Grindelwald is supposed to be like a Hitler figure. So that all tracks a lot. I like that we're in Germany. It also tracks for me that it's the German minister who is kind of willing to go along with this in terms of making a world war two analogy. It makes sense that Germany is where a lot of this is coming from. And isn't Grindelwald German? Right. Yeah. So that all tracks to me. It makes sense that a lot of the issues here would be coming out of the German ministry and they would be leading part of the problem. Um, I also just thought it was cool that they use the international confederation of wizards. I was like, yeah, bring that in, make that a thing. That makes sense. Like that was part of the sort of prequel, aspect of this that worked of like we don't know very much about Grindelwald's rise to power but it makes sense that it would be a political one the way that it goes it happens parallel to World War II it makes sense that he might like I think it would have made more sense if he took over the German ministry position became German minister that would have been much more sensible than what happened so I'm glad that you bring that up because this is where it fell apart for me I because I'm like I'm with you I'm like oh dude shit we actually get to see what the International Confederacy of or Confederation of mm-hmm. Wizards does or what they do or what kind of power they have technically we don't right. all we know is that they're the ones that decide if someone is a criminal or not anymore that just comes up out of fucking nowhere but where I started to get disillusioned with things was why is germany's minister basically running the show he's just the minister of yeah, germany that doesn't get explained it's like just because they're in germany they they don't explain yeah. why he 
sort of presides over the wizarding world at all. Like if there was just a single sentence and I missed it and please let me know if I did, but if there's just a sentence where it's like, he's the current mugwump or like Supreme mugwump and he's being elected for a new one. That doesn't make sense either because why is he not just okay, running you know for it again? I think it makes again? sense. I think I just figured it out. They do not explain what? this at all, but I think I figured it out. I think Dumbledore knows that Grindelwald, should he be pardoned for his crimes, which remember is what the German minister does, will run to right. be Supreme Mugwump. Like, I think Dumbledore mm-hmm. foresees that, right? He just understands that that's what Grindelwald's going to oh, do, I think he knew. right? He knows yeah. Grindelwald's plan to an extent. So I think he knows if he is, if he gets off for these charges that are held against him in Germany, so if the German minister lets him off, then he could run for Supreme Mugwump. So he sends the message to him through Jacob, right? Or Newt, somebody. T- through Newt to tell him to do what's right, not what's easy, which I loved that. That I was such a good callback. It. I was a little bit like, oh, go fuck you yourself. Like it's not, there was a lot of Harry Potter callbacks in this that I didn't love. But, but the point is he tells him that and obviously he does the wrong thing. And so I'm wondering if the fact, like, I don't think that maybe the German guy is in is like proceeding over the election. I think maybe there's just a delegation or a like some kind of uh, conference that's happening in Germany. Like he might just be hosting this event. And coincidentally, maybe the event that's being held is like what to do with Grindelwald and the international confederations there because it's election time. And wouldn't you be right before the election when something like this was happening and it's all happening in Germany. So they're in Germany. Maybe that's all it is. So, I get that, and I'm totally fine with that. That all tracks. What doesn't is why he leads the the election ceremony sure. after that. Because he's a character we'd seen. Because because yeah, because shitty writing. Right. Yeah, you're right. After that, because, because he's, he's someone they had already cast, and he had a name, and it you know, and or maybe it's, it's like the Olympics, and they're not explaining it, so we have to pull it out of our asses. But maybe it's like the Olympics, and a yeah. different ministry hosts the election every time, or presides over it for fairness every time. See, and that's fine. That I'm okay creating headcanon for this. If- we shouldn't have to. It's a five movie series. What the shit? We should. Yeah. No, I'm with you. We shouldn't like, have. It's to. based on a world that's already have. been established. Like, there's holy eight, like shit. honestly, I but, would have traded like give me flashback scenes of Dumbledore and Grindelwald, but give me exposition scenes of Dumbledore being like, "Yo, so every seven years we have a fucking election and a different ministry hosts it, and this time it's yeah. Germany, and they're gonna be deciding whether or not to let Grindelwald." so i need you to go give this like that takes as long as it just took for me to say it you know what i mean even better have newt explain it to jacob on the train yeah that's what jacob's here for right why aren't we expositing to jacob dude (laughs) real jacob your character let me down man it's just a mess but I did enjoy making it political, enjoy making Grindelwald's rise political, um, but now yeah. it's, but they're not doing it right. That's the problem. It's like, it doesn't make the movie good. It's all executed like garbage, no. but the basic idea of, of having a, an interesting political plot line parallel to this like really emotional character based plot line with Dumbledore and Grindelwald, like makes sense. Right. Like I, that would have, there's all the bones of a good movie are in or a good series are in all of this and they just fucking tank it shocking they have the skeleton to make a t-rex and they made a fucking stegosaurus instead like and and like the injured one from the first jurassic park (laughs) the one that's dying (laughs) 
that's how I feel about this movie is Ian Malcolm. And we're all looking at this Jurassic Park scene like that is one big pile of shit. Um, the last thing I'm going to say on this, though, is the problem that this creates because we don't get answers is we have no idea what level of power the ministers have now. Because if did it so if the Supreme Mugwump can declare war on the Muggle world and Dumbledore was the Supreme Mugwump, why didn't he just say that Sirius was innocent after the events of Prisoner of Azkaban? Why was he so worried about Fudge getting in the way of him when he's the fucking Mugwump? It's the same exact thing at the end of Goblet. How how did Fudge have so much power that he convinced the rest of the ICW to kick Dumbledore out. But then in this, the ICW is the one that rules the, the wizarding yeah. world. I, I think that the serious black stuff might be able to be explained by like a, that's like a jurisdictional thing. Like he's in Europe and it might be like just a, it's like a federal and state thing, like or the yeah. head of the EU, which is kind of the better analogy for the International Confederacy, right? Or the UN doesn't yeah. get to like go into Britain and be like, "Yo, that guy who's wanted, uh, no." <laughs> I I think right. that that tracks. Um, and also Dumbledore didn't like to use his power that way. And also Dumbledore had Sirius escaped, like no problem, like it was fine. And I think I think Sirius was probably more useful to Dumbledore as a secret. The point is, um. I don't know why he doesn't have any more power over Fudge. And I think the the greater question there, like I can see him not having power over how Fudge handles that situation. But what I don't think makes sense is that there's no international involvement in what's going on with Voldemort. Like why the fuck are they just like, yeah. oh, it's just the British Isles. It's fine. Like no one wants to do anything about that. <laughs> like after Grindelwald, like there should be similar to after World War II, NATO. Right. Like if that's the there should yeah. be a wizarding NATO. And that's what I think the International Confederation kind of is the role that they would naturally take after the Grindelwald thing. Yeah. And I don't see how they just let Voldemort like it's like, oh, yeah, no, Voldemort just runs Hogwarts. It's fine. Like that's they. <laughs> no one's yeah. Like, like on. there are international <laughs> relationships between wizards. It's not just like totally cool that he's running the ministry now. And I think that's part of why Voldemort runs. Uh, as under the radar as possible. Like Harry asks, why hasn't he just declared himself? And Lupin's like, he's way better in the shadows. And it's oh yeah, he's know, like he don't... doesn't need to. He for all intents and purposes. But it he is does. it is weird that he can't do more as as Mugwump as the position of Mugwump seems to be very powerful. The way that Fantastic Beast is yeah. putting it forward, but I don't know. I I contend it would have made more sense if this movie ended with. Like and was a totally different movie, but ended with Grindelwald becoming like the German minister would have made a lot more sense. The in terms yeah. of like how the war progresses, because now I'm like, so now what? Now you have like no followers because the deer didn't bow to you. Now what is going to escalate it so much that Dumbledore attacks you? And what gives us two more movies before that happens? Like, what's going on? So I think he he definitely still has followers because the people in the crowd wanted to believe in the purity of magic and that, you know, pure bloods were the right way to go. And that's why these people are all shooting. Like he has followers right. still out there. All these people shooting his emblem into the sky 
which I thought was really cool until it only lasts for like 0.2 seconds. And I'm like, we didn't even get to fucking see what that looked like. What the hell? Um, so I'm going to give two more of my little fun facts and then I'm going to get right yeah. to ratings here. Um, number one is that while the majority of the finale takes place in Bhutan, uh, most of it was actually supposed to be filmed in Rio de Janeiro, but almost everything got moved to a soundstage after the pandemic started. Um, and then this last fun fact actually leads right into my rating. So it is no secret by now, if you guys have listened to more than half of one of our episodes, that I rate movies very, very heavily on their score. A score is something that can make or break a movie. The sun, the binary sunset scene would never have been as impactful if if we didn't have John Williams Fair score enough. behind it when Luke is staring at the twin suns it would never have been as impactful as Batman driving through downtown Gotham if we didn't have Hans Zimmer's uh molasses playing at the same or molasses playing at the same time <laughs> i always call it molasses <laughs> James Newton Howard who by the way had composed Batman Begins and Treasure Planet, and also Atlantis, both of which are phenomenal scores, uh, returned to compose the score for this film after he had previously done the last two. Uh, But honestly, you could have fooled me. This score was fucking horrendous. Oh my god. Dramatic and dangerous moments, like the fucking fight scene in the German ministry where she makes a bridge out of pages, has inexplicably upbeat quirky magical music and it completely detracts from the absolute in like unfathomable danger that they're in yeah that's fair and then the other half of the the other half of this movie just reuses john williams score from the original harry potter in different weird ways and one spot where i liked that because i did just rewatch the second one not the first one because whenever they go to Hogwarts. Yeah, that really worked. But in this movie, one, the thing I did yeah. notice about the score of this movie is that they pulled out that original Harry Potter score in times where it wasn't reminiscent of Harry Potter. And I was like, it's jarring. Yeah. It's not right. It's just weird. Like when they go into the room of requirement. Okay, hang on. I'm sorry. Everybody shut up. That pissed me off more than <laughs> anything else in this movie. And I forgot about it until this moment. Okay, I was so mad. When they're in the room of requirement. What the fuck? First of all, first of all, what the shit is the thing that they took to get out of there? Why is that what they require? Oh, the, the bell teleporter thing? Yeah. Why do they need that? When we know that you can take a port key out of Hogwarts from wherever, we've seen Dumbledore do that. It's not a big deal. You can also travel by flu powder out of Hogwarts fucking whenever. There's no one monitoring that. There's a million ways to get out of Hogwarts that don't involve leaving Dumbledore's office, let alone needing this weird carousel thing in the rumor requirement. Second of all, I believe that Newt knew where the rumor requirement was. I could see him as the kind of student who would figure that shit out. Dumbledore explicitly does not. What the fuck? Explicitly does not know about the rumor requirement. That is an important part of the original plot. What the fuck? So anyway, I'm going to let you go on. I just, that really, I was like, when that happened, oh, if we weren't headed into the third act, I was going to call you and be like, I'm sorry. I swear to God. I, that pissed me off a lot. 
<laughs> so it's really funny that you say that because while that scene did piss me off and the whole fucking carousel and also the ripoff of the seventh book where there's decoys everyone has the same thing and why did they take that to a muggle dude to make the suitcases what dude <laughs> that's what i was gonna fucking say I'm like, I know the spell to do that. Like, that's within the laws of whatever the fuck. Like, whoever's laws of magic. Like, You're allowed to do that. Fuck? Hermione literally explains it to Ron in Ugh. the fucking Deathly Hallows that you can make more of something if you well, have And also, it we already. know the spell is just uh, Gemio. It's not fucking complicated. Yeah. It's the same spell. Coincidentally, this is what, this is what broke my fucking brain, Scott. Gemio is the same spell that they used to make the replicating pastry that flew out of the replicated suitcase oh, that they had a muggle tailor replicate. What the fuck? I just, I'm. Dude. <laughs> Can you guys tell that we liked this movie? They, all they needed to do was say, like, Newt, like, give me your suitcase real quick, Gemio. And he's like, yo, fuck you. You can't do that to my magic case that there's protections on it. And they'll be like, oh, okay, I'll take it to a muggle. What's so complicated yeah, anyway? That's it. I'm just like. They did that to give Bunty something to do, <sighs> which this is the last thing I'm going to talk about. Honest to God, guys, before we get into our ratings, I need them to fucking stop with this Bunty is in it's love so with Newt sad. thing. Poor Bunty. It's so awkward. It's so horrible for her. And it is so fucking clear since the beginning of the fucking second movie that he is in love with Tina. Yeah, it's that's clear from the beginning of the first movie. That's clear from forever. And she's totally in love with him. And it's so sad. And it's also like you pointed this out to me. I was like, Newt, why are you such a douchebag to her? Like, she obviously likes you. Why are you so blind to it? And you're like, Newt's on the spectrum. And I was like, right, 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 right. He is. Eddie Redmayne said it in an interview that he fully believes. And that now that you said that, like I was because I... To the shock of all of our listeners, I'm sure, I hadn't really rewatched at least this. I'd watched the first one a few times, but the second one only once, really, before this week. And yeah. I rewatched because I'm like, <laughs> fuck that, right? I, but rewatching it with that in mind, I was like, oh, that's correct. And I like it. Um, and I wish there was more of that. And yeah. I wish, similar to the LGBT stuff, that it was overt. Because again, it's not, it's just alluded to. And Andrew Redmayne said it, which is great, but that doesn't make it representation. That doesn't make it where, like, it, somebody at one point is like, why is Newt, like, what's going on? And have someone say, like, no, Newt's still on the spectrum. It's fine. Like, why isn't that? Yeah. I just, cause he so obviously is, and he, and it's, it's part of what makes him so great and what everyone loves about him. And it makes sense as to why he doesn't, um, like kind of have any sensitivity towards Bunty or like see that that's going on. Like it's just clearly part of the plot, but they're not talking about it. And it's just weird. Yeah. I, his brother totally knows like at the end of the movie before he has to speak and he's like, you okay, you good. Like, cause he knows he has to do yeah. like, and he's like, Oh, why am I so worried about giving this speech when I was fine saving the world? And it's like, yeah. Cause you're like, like that's an <laughs> awkward situation for you. You're not sure how to handle that. And like, I just, God damn it. My rating of this movie, I gave this movie a three out of 10. There isn't a single thing in this movie that I would wish to see again in any capacity, except for the backstory of Dumbledore. This movie did more for Dumbledore's past than the Deathly Hallows films did, as I said, which again was the fucking plot of Deathly Hallows. 
I didn't give two shits about Credence because they literally ignore him half the movie. And then he just shows up when the plot is convenient for him. Uh, the plan being kept from everyone in film so as to keep the audience guessing made absolutely horrendous pacing. The score was obscenely terrible. And I genuinely did not feel any level of villainy from Matt Mickelson. I just did not feel like there was this. He just felt angry. He didn't feel like he wanted to burn their world to the ground when he said that to to Dumbledore at the beginning of the movie. I just didn't, he didn't really fucking do anything. Feel it. Yeah, he really doesn't do that much shit. Um, the best parts, honestly, were Queenie and Jacob being reunited. However, haphazardly that was thrown together. I do like that they ended up back together. Um, Lolly was fucking great, and I would be totally fine with a movie just about her and Jacob. Um, and then. We don't point this out. I didn't we didn't talk about this because it is honestly such a forgettable plot line. Dude, the fifth member of their team is Yusuf Kama, who is sent to spy on Grindelwald as a spy for Dumbledore. And on God, you guys, nothing happens with that. Except that now we don't have to talk about Lita Lestrange anymore. That's what happened. Yeah. Now his the memory of Lita is removed, and that's fucking it. Literally nothing ever happens. So what's your number on this? Three out of ten. That's harsh, man. That's like I didn't like it either. We never go the slow. We usually like everything at least to a five. Like it's like bad when it's that low. That's why I wrote all this down is because for me to have this many problems with a a story that I love yeah, so much. Yeah, just to much, be in the world should be enough for us. Like I don't even – I don't feel this yeah. way about the Harry Potter movies, which I do have a problem with. A lot. And we're going to talk about yes. it a lot I, in a fucking like nine episode mm-hmm. special upcoming in like, but <laughs> I, uh, for me, I'm, I'm probably, maybe I'm giving it a four or four and a half tops. Like, but I'm, yeah. I'm pretty close there with you. And I think my biggest issues were just how I think how disinteresting the magic becomes when it has no parameters whatsoever. Yeah. I really have an issue with that when it's just whatever, then it's not like, oh, what spell could you use to get out of this situation? That's what's fun about the magic in Harry Potter. It's like, what do I got in exactly. my... In, it's like a video game. Please, God, let that video game be good. Like my tool chest. Yeah, what like- do I got? What have I learned? What spells can I use that will help me? And every year there gets to be more and you increase your toolbox. And this just sucks. The magic in it sucks. And my my biggest issues are that and like the Credence stuff. I, I very much think that they're going to kill him off screen to get rid of Ezra Miller. That's my feeling so, on that. I know you wanted to talk about that. That was the other, no, no, and that was the thing I was going to lead up to. Um, he is dead. He is mortally dying from the obscurial inside him. So that's what's killing him. They don't even really specify that. It's just like, and he's dying. And there's a phoenix, and he's a Dumbledore, and he's he. I guess we did. We even talk about this that he's Aberforth's son. Like, great. Oh, I he's Aberforth's care, illegitimate so. son that for some reason he just like never goes after, even though he knew about him. Well, and it ruins Aberforth's character. And Credence, it's like there was no point to Credence. He was set up as being like really important to Grindelwald and to the war. And he accomplished absolutely nothing for it. And I yep. think uh, I just I think they're, they're yeah, I, I think they were leaving it open to decide yeah. if they wanted to bring him back because otherwise we would have seen him die. Like I could see us coming back in movie four. Yeah. And being like we've cured Credence. It's a miracle. But also I could see them being like, we're not hiring Ezra Miller again. They should just hire Grant Gustin. Have just him come in and be Credence now. It'll be way better. 
unbelievable. They'll do it for everything. Everything that Ezra Milzo plays. Just... Yeah, just be like, you know what? You're problematic. We're canceling you and we're going to recast you with Grant Gustin in all of your roles and the world will be a better place for it. I really think that's what they should do. I mean, we already know that they don't have a problem switching actors and not explaining it. So that, okay, genuinely though, would be hilarious. Like assume, assuming that they don't cast Grant Gustin as the Flash, which they're not going to. Obligatory Flash reference. But uh, so let's. Yeah, I think I, I think a universe where that <laughs> doesn't happen, but but he is cast as Credence would be really really funny. Uh, I think that would actually be like, pretty fucking hilarious. That would be so awesome. WB's like fucking. That's the Warner Brothers crossover that I want. It's just recast with Grant Gustin in everything. Every Warner Brothers property just mixes into something. <laughs> The Flash shows up at Diagon Alley for Love no fucking that. reason. <laughs> oh, so much of Harry Potter um, will be solved by the Flash. The point is, I think that the Credence stuff was... I Actually, that's a fun fan fiction to think of. How quickly could you solve the Harry Potter... Like, every Harry Potter book if the you The Harry the Potter problems if, if you, you the had the Flash. Flash. Like, yeah. it would be so straightforward. Can you imagine the first task? Can you imagine the third task? Oh, my holy <laughs> shit, dude. The third task? You're just like, I have no idea. Oh, That's here it is. Good. Bye. There's, there's a manticore down that one. He wouldn't, dude. He wouldn't have even needed to worry about it being a port key. Because as soon as he got teleported somewhere else, he could have just been like, like, oh, bet Cedric, hang on tight. <laughs> Hold on. And Cedric wouldn't even have been a part of it because he never would have gotten there. Dude, you're never going to believe this. Touch this. Come with me really quickly. Fucking 50 points to Gryffindor, man. <laughs> I know. Dude, that would, okay, that's oh the movie I want now. Um, do you think that the Flash would be, uh, what house do you think the Flash would be in? All right, guys, we have had a catastrophic internet failure on the part of Scott. Um, so I'm going to wrap us up and take us out of here. And uh, we'll just never know what house Scott thought Barry should be in. Um, I think he would have been a Hufflepuff. At least Barry that we know on the CW. Anyway, I am going to actually take us out of here. And I think this is just the universe's way of telling us that we're done. So... <laughs> So I hope you guys enjoyed um, our our take on this. We will absolutely be back for more Wizarding World stuff later in the timeline. So look out for that. We're going to be doing all of the Harry Potter movies at length. But thank you guys for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. Check us out next week for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. We'll be back in the timeline. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media. You can find links for the sites and the social media in the episode description. And if you want to support the podcast, we encourage you to follow us on Patreon or check out our website for all the timeline goodies, past, present, and future. And until next time, stay nerdy.